Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's hard, really, really hard. Welcome back to another edition of the Winning is Hard podcast. Cameron Parker alongside Wes Scott Eberts bringing you a little preview of West Virginia in Texas this Saturday at 6.30 kickoff, I believe, on Fox Sports 1, a night game. How about that? Thought for sure it would be an 11 a.m. kickoff. And before we get into that, West Scott, uh, again, you can listen to the Winning is Hard podcast and all the other Burnt Orange Nation podcasts on the Burnt Orange Nation feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And, of course, check out BurnOrangeNation.com. West Scott will have a West Virginia opponent preview going up tomorrow at the same time this podcast drops. So a great way to get previewed for a huge game for Steve Sark this weekend. But before we get into that, Wes Scott, you rewatch the Texas Tech game, which for one is pretty brave. And two, I believe you have more takeaways. So let's go ahead and just get into that. Maybe listeners, pour yourself a drink real quick, get a beer out, because uh, I don't think you got any prettier the second time around, did it? Uh, yeah, the beer's not going to be hard enough um, for this conversation. It was a pretty emotionally damaging for me. I think my dog is extremely concerned about my well-being right now, and rightfully so. Um, yeah, just um, you know, probably even more frustrating on the rewatch than it was um, watching it in real time. I think um, you know, I'll start off you know offensively. One of the things that um, you know really stood out to me was just. Um, so just some tough play calls um, for Sark uh, in the second half uh, after Texas had gotten the turnover on downs, they came out and they're in a really heavy set. Um, I think they were in um, 21 personnel and they had Tariq Milton split out to the field and um, they shifted him in to the end of the line of scrimmage. And when they did that, so he's lined, he's lined up next to um, Jatavian Sanders. He's outside Gunner Helm. And that forced Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech's best player, uh, to shift outside of the gap. So he was matched up with, with Jatavian Sanders one-on-one. And Sanders just doesn't really get a good block attempt um, on Wilson, who just wins with his hands quickly and then immediately gets to the quarterback to blow up the play. And the desire for Sark in that situation when, you know, they have a chance in, in the shot zone, like they're, they're at the Texas, they're the Texas tech 40 yard, 40 yard line. That's, you know, shot zone type of time for Texas um, traditionally. And, you know, I recognize that, you know, they didn't have Isaiah worthy or Isaiah Naylor, but um, you know, just the, 
the desire to play in a phone booth in that situation and create an awful matchup for someone who doesn't have a lot of experience as a blocking tight end. And, and I don't know how much, you know, freedom Hudson card has it at the line of scrimmage to get out of plays. But, you know, as soon as you see that happening, it's just, it's really setting Texas up for failure. And so that, you know, that possession was extremely disappointing for Texas. They ended up going for it on fourth down, trying to run, you know, once again, one of their wildcat plays with the heavy personnel package and Cole Hudson gets blown up and Cole Hudson just did not have a good day for Texas. Um, There's another play, um, a third down play later in the game where, um, you know, he he has uh, Jalen Hutchings, lined up on his on his outside shoulder and just uh doesn't take a good pass set just overcompensates to his to his right and then you know Hudson Hutchings hits him with the move and you know Hudson's so off balance that he almost falls over and immediately gets to the quarterback you know one of several instances in the game where in pass protection Texas offensive linemen just weren't playing inside out you know as Rod Gilmore aptly pointed out and um you know on the on the broadcast and the offensive linemen just can't allow opposing players to have a straight line shot at the quarterback that's just a very a very elemental and uh, fundamental aspect of offensive line technique and so you know the combination of some question questionable play calling by Steve Sarkeesian and um, you know issues with Cole Hudson I think you know both of those things combined really put into stark relief just how much Texas is missing Junior Angelau and uh, Isaiah Nayor because you know with the worthy out they don't have a deep threat none of the other wide receivers you know have really stepped up into that role and you know frankly i i wasn't sure you know quite how many games those guys might be worth but um you know i think it's fairly reasonable to say at this point that i think texas had a really good chance to win the alabama game and the texas tech game if they had those two guys available and that's you know not even getting into Quinn Ewers and, you know, another guy that I think that they've been missing is Jalil Billingsley and his athleticism, um, given the lack of production from, you know, some of the other players. And I guess I would just kind of finish some of these, you know, offensive thoughts with, um, you know, Hudson Card had a play. Um, I think this was the possession after the turnover. I think this was the possession after they scored uh, the touchdown, which was actually a a much better play call by Sark. I think they've kind of been trying to get some of their, um, some of the running plays that he really likes for Bijan Robinson on on first down. Um, He scored a couple times this year on those plays. This particular play uh, was nicely drawn up. They, um, they motioned the wide receiver from the boundary to the field. And then, they had so that set up kind of a fake screen um then they had two running backs in the backfield Roshan Johnson on the other side of Bijan Robinson so they had kind of a, a split flow going with uh Robinson going to the uh with Johnson going to the field and then Robinson coming back to the boundary on pin and pull um and, and nice blocks by um Hayden Connor and Jake Majors pulling on that play they really kind of chalkboarded them up on that one um and you know Robinson was able to to score the touchdown, just having to beat the safety and, and stay in bounds. But, um, you know, after that, Hudson Card had a, had a first down play that was really important where they ran a fake screen behind uh, Sanders and Gunnar Helm. And then Sanders was leaking out 
And Card, for whatever reason, you know, Sanders looked like the first read on the play and he was open. And for whatever reason, Card just didn't let it rip. And then it ended up rifling a ball out out of bounds over Roshan Johnson's head. And, you know, that just seemed like one of those plays where, you know, Quinn Ewers with, you know, his ability to just get the ball out so quickly and, and not being afraid of, of fitting it. I mean, it wasn't even a tight window. Um, so I just, I don't know what, card saw on that play and that ended up you know getting texas behind the chains in a situation where they really needed to pick up yards touching on the wide receivers and the lack of depth now it's really shown especially when xavier worthy is not out there as we saw in the second half and i don't know if you direct a lot of the issues to the three and three and outs due to worthy not being on the field and of course now without isaiah nayer there seems to be a, a gaping hole in the wide receiver unit right now and if worthy comes back saturday he won't be 100 percent. but he it's better to have him out there even as a decoy but westcott my question is to you what's the fix is there someone that can step up i mean your first thought is to tavian sanders but i mean his his lack of blocking ability as he continues to learn seems to be hurting texas yeah there's definitely you know Talking about Sanders and his blocking ability, he missed the critical block on Bijan Robinson's fumble too. Um, I don't remember if we got into that on Monday, but you know Robinson was looking for the cutback on that play. You know, really immediately on on you know outside zone, his you know the, his best play, um, and so he's got the ball in his, his left hand. I think anticipating that that cutback to the left, and then Sanders misses his block in the hole on the linebacker, and then the linebacker just puts a great head on on Robinson, just puts his shoulder right on the football. I mean, not not a lot that uh, that Bijan really could have done about that play, except just having having the ball in the other in the other hand. Um, but you know, it seemed like other than card making that nice scene pass to Sanders that he just doesn't have quite the same chemist. Uh, that was in the spring game that he doesn't quite have the same chemistry that you were showed with him, um, you know, in that, in that first game. And, you know, it's been kind of disappointing. Tariq Milton really hasn't uh, made much of an impact. I think Brendan Thompson's mom said that he, he was severely sick um, a couple weeks ago. So I think he's probably hasn't gotten as many practice reps as, as he needs. And then of course the Jai Hall was set back um, by his suspension. And I think the expectation was always really for him, um, you know, to just have kind of a, a year learning under Brennan Marion and trying to, you know, polish up some of his skill set for next season. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really know where, um, where Texas goes, but I, I think that, you know, this desire to just bring in so many, so many heavy personnel groupings and just, use use that in the wildcat and not have any constraint plays not have anybody you know on the jet sweep you know that was kind of the the basis of the original wildcat the kind of single wing stuff that arkansas did you know they had wanted to take advantage of their two nfl running backs and their um, nfl quality fullback and you know so they would run quarterback power and they would run jet sweep and then they would run counter and sark just isn't really using very many of those um, constraint plays right now to keep defenses honest. And so, you know, they're, they're crashing down late in the game. They had a little bit more success 
when they're running some of the go-go stuff, but um, you know, those were still handoffs to Bijan Robinson. And, you know, so we haven't really seen much other than, you know, one play they're running um, QB outside zone that they scored on against um, UTSA. But, you know, I'd just like to see um, more of the variety if they're going to be running the wildcat stuff, because otherwise, um, you know, they're better off if they can expand um, that 30 personnel package that they use on the opening drive that Sark said they don't have a lot of plays in with, or, you know, some of the other two running back packages, because um, they've had some pretty good success with those, with uh, defenses having to account for both Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson. Defensively, we saw Ryan Watts play 100 snaps. DeMarvin Overshone played 60 despite missing the entire first half. It seems like PK was hesitant to put in anyone else defensively in the secondary, like Jameer Johnson or Austin Jordan. Despite them playing against Alabama, I don't think I saw them too much on the field against Texas Tech. I know Jalen Gilbo was in there. He gave up a, a pass interference, I believe, and also um, a deep catch. What's what's the move for PK? Is it adjust to his scheme and, and a move away from the deep zone that he likes to play, or is it maybe give some reps to some of the younger guys because something I would think has to change considering the way Texas Tech was able to move down the field and now other teams can follow that blueprint. Yeah, um, you know certainly Texas needs to tighten up their coverage. Um, Sark mentioned them not being in sync. Um, you know, as I think we talked about um, on Monday, but you know, they, they have to be tighter in coverage. And it was just really disappointing, you know, on the, on the replay to just see, you know, in situations where, you know, it's like third down and nine and then they're getting, getting throws right at the sticks when um, cornerbacks are getting pushed pack, pushed past the line of scrimmage in their, in their coverage on coverage. And that's um, just really unacceptable in terms of technique and, and situational understanding to give up such easy completions. And, you know, frankly, uh, a lot of the a lot of the linebacker coverage drops were awful. I mean, just really terrible, just getting destroyed by Texas Tech throwing balls over the middle, um, especially to tight ends. Um you know, the, the linebackers have to be more technically sound with their coverage drops. And that starts with getting their eyes right on the snap. You see a lot of times Jalen Ford just had a huge problem with this where he's peeking into the backfield on plays. And so he's watching what the quarterback is doing with the running back. And that's not his key. His key is on the offensive lineman. And if he's if he has his eyes right and he's picking up on that key from the offensive lineman, he should be able to get three or four more yards of depth on his drops and be able to undercut a lot of those routes coming over the middle. You know, there's one, the cup that was right down to the goal line that, you know, Smith had to fit into a tight window even. And the only reason why that window was open at all was because Ford was two steps, three steps slow getting into his coverage drop. And so, you know, to me, a lot of that, um, you know, it's, it's on the players to execute, but the coaching is not good enough right now. Uh, the defensive line is pretty, is playing pretty well, but you know, from the defensive coordinator to the linebackers coach to the secondaries c- coaches, I don't think anybody is, nobody is playing, um, you know, well enough right now. And then, you know, some kind of, you know, other frustrating things I saw on film, there's, you know, one play, I think it was, you know, it was a second on a second and seven, you know, try to force them into a, a long third down situation. Um, Texas Tech is is running a double slant route, pretty common concept that, um, you know, the Texas Tech runs, Achilles runs, going back to, to Western Kentucky. And Jaron Thompson is 
responsible for the inside receiver and inexplicably he thinks that smith is thrown to the outside receiver tries to jump that route and then gives up a first down reception when he should have been in a position to break up that play or even get an interception um there's another play when you know they brought in ryan watts to be able to defend larger receivers and go up and be able to play the football and it was just a really poor jump ball attempt that smith tried to throw to cup and you know watts is there and gets his hands on the ball but you know just can't come down with it um, you know, other missed opportunities to Marvin Overshone, you know, had a couple chances. He had a shot at Donovan Smith on their last uh, touchdown drive to be able to get him down on the ground on fourth down and, you know, got hit with a good move by Smith and wasn't able to tackle him. Another play with a throw over the middle to, to Baylor Cup where, you know, his coverage drop was good. He just didn't take the right angle for it and ended up coming behind Cup, who ended up, you know, making one of their bigger receptions of the day. And that's a play, you know, the, the situation that Donovan Smith has, you know, thrown interceptions on so many times this season and his angle just wasn't wasn't uh wasn't right on that play it should have been an interception he might have had a long return on it and you know they as much as some of this this falls on the coaches you know texas needs players to make plays on the field and right now they just don't have anybody who's proven that they can be a consistent playmaker so do you think it's going to take a year or two for pk to get the right players for his scheme then is this the issue I don't think he's going to have that amount of time. I'm not sure that he really, I'm not really sure that he deserves that amount of time. I mean, the only game plan, you know, tossing out Louisiana Monroe, which is not a good football team. The only good game plan this year was Alabama and Gary Patterson spent the entire off season developing that. So I'm, you know, all of the, a lot of the issues that, you know, were happening last year are defensively the, they have they have improved some, but they're still they're still just not where they need to be yet. And they're about to face another team that can copy the game plan of UTSA and Texas Tech and have the ability to execute that. So I mean, you know, it could be looking at another weekend of, you know, West Virginia running 80 plays or more and having the ball for 35 or 40 minutes if the Texas defense can't figure this out. You mentioned the team they're facing this week. That's the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I'll be honest with you, West Scott, looking through the stats, I've watched their games this year, but looking at the stats, I think they, they match up well against this Texas team. And we can get into Graham Harrell's offense now. But judging off the stats against, I believe, FBS opponents, not throwing in the game against Towson last week that or two weeks ago that they won. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Times a times a flat circle. For Virginia Tech point. was yeah, last okay. week, and then two weeks ago before. I mean, they're twenty second in the country in plays per game at seventy seven. Time of possession, they're fourteenth, thirty three minutes per game. They're fourteenth in the nation in scoring forty two points per game. Now they've played Kansas, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's got a pretty solid defense. Kansas obviously does not. I think they're 125th per an FBI. But then third downs, they're, they're 40, 49% on the year, which is 21st. Fourth downs, they're 9 of 10. That's concerning considering what happened. And then first downs, 114 this season, fifth. So it, it seems like West Virginia and Graham Harrell's offense, who you might remember from Texas Tech, who was at USC last year and jumped over to Neil Brown's staff. But it seems like 
Graham Harrell's offense is just what Texas does not want to face. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, listening to all those stats is frankly a little bit terrifying, you know, given what's gone on with the Texas defense the last couple of weeks. And I think one thing about, you know, Graham Harrell and um, and his offenses is that um, he's a lot more balanced right now. Uh, fans might recall, yep. you know, maybe doing some research um, into him after uh, Tom Herman fired Tim Backfall in the 2019 season. And, you know, with a lot of those former air raid guys, the, the concern is just always being a little bit too pass heavy. Uh, West Virginia almost has uh, the exact same number of passing attempts and rushing attempts. Uh, they actually have more rushing attempts this year than passing attempts. Uh, 162 passes, 149 rushing attempts. Uh, so that's clearly, you know, not an issue for Graham Harrell anymore. Um, at this point in the uh, this point in his career, they have a solid rushing attack. Uh, 11 rushing touchdowns, 5.37 yards per carry to uh, 117.5 yards per game on the ground, uh, really led by, you know, one of the breakout freshman players in the Big 12 this year, C.J. Donaldson. Uh, he's just a big kid, 6'2", 240 tight pounds. tight coming out of high school. Restart tight end out of the Miami area. Um, yeah, pretty um, under-recruited. Uh, it seems like he's put on a fair amount of weight somewhere around, uh, you know, uh, 20 to 25 pounds, um, you know, during the off season, possibly depending on, you know, how accurate either of those numbers were either now or, or coming out of um, coming out of high school. But um, he's a really explosive player, uh, fast, physical. Um, he's going to be a hard guy for Texas to bring down. That's not a guy that you really want getting to the third level. And, um, you know, Jaron Thompson, um, you know, not really someone that you want to have to make a, a touchdown saving tackle on, on um, CJ Donaldson, who had 23 carries for 106 yards uh, last week against Virginia Tech, ran for three touchdowns against Towson, uh, had two touchdowns against Kansas. So he's really been um, excellent for them so far this year. And then uh, their other two running backs as well are averaging uh 4.83 yards per carry for Justin Johnson Jr., uh, 4.69 yards per carry for Tony Mathis Jr. And uh, apparently if you want to carry the football for West Virginia this year, you've got to be a junior. And they also got transfer quarterback JT Daniels from Georgia and before that USC. He's looked solid. And Bryce Ford Wheaton probably, I don't know if he's the best receiver Texas has faced, but he's definitely – the biggest threat because the connection Bryce Young just didn't have a connection with Harrison Burton yet we saw that against Alabama haven't really seen anything besides that but Bryce Ford Wheaton I think he's going to really test this secondary six foot three 220 he's a big guy so it's it's a big matchup for Ryan Watts yeah no question about that um Bryce Ford Wheaton's an interesting guy because you see some real flashes from him that could make him, you know, possibly, you know, day two NFL pick. Um, if he, you know, tests as well as he's expected to test, uh, extremely athletic for his size. Uh, but the production just hasn't really been there for him. Um, you know, it's shown, you know, like I said, flashes of it, uh, 27 catches for 416 yards, three touchdowns in 2020, 42 for 575 and three touchdowns last season. You know, solid numbers, but, um, you know, nothing that, that really – jumps off the page and, you know, screams star player to you. Uh, so far this year, 27 catches, 319 yards, four touchdowns, uh, only, uh, only averaging 11.81 uh, yards per reception. So, you know, the explosiveness 
hasn't always been there, but, um, you know, I think he's more dangerous than he has been in the past, just because the, the quarterback play is better than um, what they've had for the last few years in uh, Morgantown. And you mentioned the balanced offense, 490 yards per game. It's 18th in the country. So definitely seem, seems like the offense is more plays more complimentary at West Virginia than it did at USC for Graham Harrell. It's hard to make make up your mind on what this team is, Westcott, because I look at those two losses, Pittsburgh, which you could argue they could have won if Bryce Ford Wheaton doesn't drop that ball and turns into a pick six. The Kansas loss, uh, I don't know how you explain that. I mean, Kansas is 4-0. Obviously, they have a good offense under Jalen Daniels, but their their defense is terrible. And then Virginia Tech, who they lost for, to Old Dominion a few weeks ago, so I'm not sure what's going on at Virginia Tech. They, they have a new head coach. Uh, was it does it yeah, yeah Virginia, Clemson OC, Tony Elliott, right? Or no, he's at Virginia. Uh, no, it? yeah. I don't remember what the new Virginia Tech's head coach's name is, but it's not a very good football team that he has yeah, this year. doesn't matter, but then you look at Texas Tech, too. I mean, they lost to a Houston team that could have been only Barely, three. They, so. they, took, they took two overtimes to beat them. So it's hard to uh, – what do you make of West Virginia then? Is this we're just kind of scaring ourselves considering what happened to Texas last week, or is this actually a, a pretty decent football team? I don't know how good West Virginia is right now. Um, I, I mean, the things that they do offensively, you know, with all those numbers that you threw out are scary because those are, that shows the capability of taking advantage of, you know, what Texas has done poorly in, in the second couple of weeks. So, you know, it's a home game that should help Texas a little bit. I'm not sure, you know, it's probably certainly not going to be an atmosphere like Alabama. Um, hopefully it's a little bit better atmosphere than UTSA, which I think was probably, you know, a little bit of an, an emotional letdown for the players. And they certainly, uh, for whatever reason, didn't, you know, respond very well early in that game. Um, they were able to respond to the adversity, um, you know, later, later in the second half, but, um, I think probably, you know, find out a fair amount about uh, West Virginia. Um, you know, one thing that I would say going back uh, to their wide receivers, um, they have another tall wide receiver on the outside, Caden Prather. Uh, he's 6'4", 211 pounds, 20 catches, 220 yards, one touchdown. Uh, big play threat, Sam James. Uh, he's averaging 16.85 uh, yards per catch. But, you know, after that, they um, their leading, fourth leading receiver has seven catches. Uh, their tight end only has five catches. So not a lot of depth there for the Mountaineers. And, uh, you know, certainly when I was looking for the tight end stats to see if they had anyone um, who could hurt Texas like uh, Baylor Cup and, and Mason Tharp did last weekend, um, I don't see anyone who can do that. But I uh, would certainly expect a lot of the quick passing game and, and trying to work over the middle um, to take advantage of those Texas linebackers if they, um, you know, can't get their fundamentals of, of pass drops right this week. And the Virginia Tech head coach is Brent Pry, the former Penn State D.C., for those who are wondering. Are you worried about Sark in road games? Because now they've lost four straight road games in conference play, and their only road win is TCU last year, which was by six points and was won basically by B. John Robinson. Yeah, that is that is certainly concerning, and I believe the um, you know, the next road game would be at Oklahoma State, correct? Yes, the, the last week of this eight week stretch for Texas. Yeah, I mean that could certainly um, extend it to um, you know five weeks there, and then Texas, um, 
you know, fairly healthy, all things considered um, at this point in the season. But certainly, you know, this next uh, stretch of three games is is going to be challenging. And, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I think they're going to face this weekend um, is that I think uh, West Virginia has a pretty well coached uh, defense, just kind of looking at the numbers. Um, you know, they, they just haven't given up um, a lot of big plays um, on the ground. Um, they have only they've given up 12 plays of 10 yards or more, but they've only given up one play of 30 plus yards. So, you know, that tells me that they're pretty sound defensively um, at all three levels. They have a good uh, defensive front led by um, the last remaining stills brother. That would be Dante. Dante. Dante's Dante stills is still there. He has two and a half sacks, uh, three tackles for loss, two quarterback hurries, uh, forced a fumble. Um, he can certainly, you know, be a disruptive guy. I think it's not going to be particularly easy uh, running on West Virginia, especially, you know, if Texas is going to have, you know, issues with Cole Hudson getting beat, you know, one of the wildcat plays got blown up when uh, they're trying to run quarterback power and, um, you know, Hayden Connor was tripped up when Kelvin Banks stepped on him as he was trying to pull. And so, you know, just kind of those those frustrating elements of, um, you know, not executing very well is something that, um, you know, really plagued Texas a little bit boom or bust on offense and especially uh, within the running game right now. And so West Virginia uh, gave up seven rushing touchdowns in the first two games. Haven't given up any since uh, two yards per carry uh, by Pittsburgh, 2.56 by Towson, uh, 1.94 by Virginia Tech. Uh, really good in three out of the four games on the ground. Uh, they did struggle against Kansas, uh, 36 carries for 200 yards. That's 5.56 yards per carry for Kansas. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not sure since I haven't watched the film on that game what, you know, exactly Kansas uh, was able to do in that contest. So, um, you know, it proved that it is possible to, to be able to pick up, um, you know, consistent yards and, and a couple chunk plays here and there um, against the West Virginia defense. But um, for the most part, they've uh, they've been really solid, uh, especially against the run. Yeah, really good run defense. Punch just averaging about 3.4 yards per carry against them. Just over 104 yards per game on the ground, which is both top, 40 metrics in the nation there there's two things that stand out to me for this game it's going to be turnovers and third downs west virginia is minus two the turnover margin i think texas is what are they minus one now on the year yes so 77 so two teams that don't force a lot of turnovers and then third downs we, we saw what for what texas, well, texas, texas tech was able to convert a lot of fourth downs but they also had 23rd down conversions defensively Opponents are converting 39% against the Horns, which is 84th. And meanwhile, West Virginia, they convert about half their third downs, which is almost a top 20 metric. So it seems like really third downs and turnovers can really decide this game. Now, Texas Tech came in. They were worse than West Virginia in turnover margin going into last week and didn't turn the ball over at all. We saw Texas turn the ball over twice. And the last one arguably cost Texas the game. I mean, of course, they probably shouldn't have been overtime in the first place. And then the flip side, offensively, Texas is 104th in third downs on offense. Meanwhile, West Virginia is 94th. So not great, but it seems like if it's going to be Hudson Card the starter, it's going to come down to third downs and turnovers to me. 
Yeah, you know, West Virginia defense, um, pretty solid as they are, you know, against the run and, and not giving up a ton of big plays. Uh, not a lot of playmaking on that defense, only one interception. Um, they have recovered two fumbles. So uh, some of the similar issues that Texas is facing, uh, you know, red zone conversions also, you know, always uh, something important to look at in a game. Uh, defensively, uh, kind of strange profile for West Virginia in that category. Uh, yep. Pittsburgh had three. Um Three red zone attempts, scored three touchdowns. Kansas had six red zone attempts, scored six touchdowns. So nine red zone trips, first nine of the season for West Virginia. Didn't give up a single, didn't, didn't, wasn't able to even force uh, a single field goal. The last two weeks, Towson, one attempt, didn't score at all. Virginia Tech, one red zone attempt, didn't score at all. Um, so two straight games where uh, West Virginia has allowed only two total uh, trips into the red zone for the opponent and uh, zero scores at all in, in either one of those games for their opponents. Analytically, FEI doesn't really like their defense 72nd in the nation. Um, I think probably the Kansas scheme has a lot to do. And, and Pittsburgh, too, Keaton Slovis was able to move the ball down the field. Um, Virginia Tech's offense, they rank in the hundreds, so I, I can't really get a, a good judge on that game. But they're going to come into this game on, I believe, nine days of rest. Texas is coming off a pretty tough loss against Texas Tech, so we're going to really get a good sense of the culture now for sure. We've been talking about culture. feels like for two years now under Sark, we're going to get it out. Uh, predictions for Saturday's game? The line is – let me double-check the line, actually. I think it was 10. It's up to 10 now. Oh, my goodness. I think Texas – I don't know. I think Texas should cover that, but, um, you know, with the way that the defense is performing and, and some of the issues, you know, offensively, I think, you know, if Quinn Ewers can somehow play and is healthy, I think that – and, you know, especially if Xavier Worthy can, you know, be out there and moving around well, I think, you know, Texas, this is a game that Texas could win comfortably. Um, if Hudson Card is, is out there again and continues his issues with shot plays – um, and, you know, Xavier Worthy isn't able to provide very much. Um, you know, I think this is a game that, you know, Texas is, is certainly capable of, of losing. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it For me, it comes down to whether or not yours and Worthy play. If it's just card and no Worthy, I, I would take West Virginia. If yours and Worthy are there, even if it's a 50% Xavier Worthy, I still think Texas can – a scheme to use them as a decoy and keep West Virginia honest defensively. And I, I think Texas could cover, but this is this is a huge game. People are saying it's must win, and I think it's definitely must win for PK because if you lose this and then you lose to Oklahoma next week, who now they've had their wake up call against Kansas State, uh, you're looking at three straight losses. And all of a sudden, you go from a one-point loss to Bama, where the expectations seem to have changed, to now you've lost three of your last four. Yeah, I think um, – Or four of your last five, excuse me. I think this is this is a must-win game, and um, you know, especially if the defense doesn't play very well, I think there's going to be increasing calls for a change at, at defensive coordinator. All right. Any other parting thoughts before uh, we get out of here? just really hope I don't have to watch Texas play 80-plus snaps on defense on really next week. There's a blueprint to beat Texas. That's what I think in West Virginia. They like to run the same offense that Texas Tech did. So uh, I'm, I wouldn't see a splitting 
a mirror image of each other, but pretty... yeah, definitely not. Uh, similar, similar origin, certainly. Uh, area yeah. derived. Uh, John Denver or Leonard Skinner before we leave? Definitely John Denver. I, I can't stand Leonard Skinner because Sweet Home Alabama is one of the dumbest songs ever recorded. Like, Neil Young is like, hey, stop being racist. And their response is, <laughs> go away. The sky's blue here. No. I, I think we'll leave it there. Westcott, I appreciate the time. Your opponent preview for West Virginia will drop tomorrow. And again, we got more coverage coming for you this week on the BornOrangeNation.com. We've got a roundtable on Friday. I'm sure no one will overreact to last week's loss. Uh, some reaction pieces coming out. And then, of course, the Longhorn Republic, Gerald Goodridge, and Kyle Carpenter will have a preview as well. Westcott, cheers. Cheers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.